0: On this week's episode of Peak Too Early, we talk about Kip Choge once again dodging the Boston Marathon, we have an interview with Coach Danny Mackey, and we talk about Mike's trip to USATF Club Cross Country Nationals. Let's get it started.
1: This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron.
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner and I am joined by Mike Jenner who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, the great flu shot debate of 2019 continues. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I got my flu shot. We discussed the merits of a flu shot. Now here I am, sick as a dog. I was pro flu shot. Now I don't know. What to think, but we're over here grinding anyways. I'm anti flu shot and I'm sick as a dog right now, but I've been hammering some emergency, and I'm getting through it. I think you know this this has laid me out for like two days, but you know what? I'm gonna be back tomorrow. I'm gonna feel better than ever tomorrow, so um and as always, at the house of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella Trent, how
1: you doing, bud? I am good Steve. I am not at the house of Sav. I'm actually in the office downtown Boston, looking out at the beautiful waterfront over here and and guys. I feel great. I don't know why you guys are so sick. I mean, it's the holiday season. It's been a lot less running, a lot more holiday parties, a lot more holiday treats. I'm feeling super healthy, which is kind of, you know, abnormal for me. So I guess I just want to uh, kind of rub it in how how good of a mood I'm in right now and how great I feel. Oh, good for you, Trent. Good for you. you. Thank you. No flu shot needed on my end. (laughs) Well,
0: hey, guys, we're going to start off the episode today with a little bit of running news. Um, so the biggest the biggest news in the running world is Kip Choge has announced his race schedule for 2020. And he is going to, once again, run the London Marathon, meaning that he's dodging Boston once again. What do you guys think about this? I mean, we've talked about it once before. Um, I no longer am going to refer to him as the GOAT until he uh, shows face at Boston and he's running out of time here. 2020 is going to be, you know, another... He's getting up there in age, and he's running out of time to run Boston. So I don't know. This is not not a good look for my man
1: Kipchoge. So I would normally like to agree and kind of just like pump up Boston, but uh, I uh, I'm kind of in Kipchoge's camp this year because I myself am, am dodging Boston. Um, I don't know if you I told ran you it last year. Yet. I know I ran it last year, <laughs> but I was gonna run it again this year. And, I, and forgive me if I've already shared this, but I totally forgot to sign up. Uh, and the sign up thing. Oh, the oh, went, oh went Yeah, I got like a few texts from people like, "Hey, man, you sign up, get that in." And it's it's so annoying because there's like this one week window that you're allowed to sign up. Um, and so if you if you qualified for you know a while back, like at the previous year's Boston, uh, it's it's nearly impossible to remember. So uh, me <laughs> and Kipchoge are kind of uh, one, and we are united this year, and we are uh, skipping and, and dodging Boston. Maybe maybe another year we'll be back.
0: Trent, people train their entire lives to like get a chance to qualify for Boston, and you're over here just forgetting about the sign up? It's
1: you have like a three day period to sign up in the random like middle of September, right? And I had qualified back in April. How am I supposed to remember that? That is that is way too much of an ask.
0: Oh man. Well, hey, I'm gonna play a little bit of Devil Devil's Advocate. I, I agree with you guys that Kipchoge. Come to Boston if you're the greatest. If you're the greatest marathoner in history, let's see it on the Boston course. But he's probably you know trying to take another stab at the the world record, and you can't do that in Boston because it's a point to cor- point course. So that probably is a big factor in his ability to kind of, or a big factor in the the marathons that he
1: will choose from in the next couple of years. That yeah, that, oh, whatever. Point to point thing is so like BS. I know. I know there's uh, you know this much elevation gain or, or drop and and that's why points of points aren't going to work but and I don't care it shouldn't be but let's make some exceptions here like we know Boston is not you know known for being like traditionally fast times and all this so so why are we really excluding it from being you know a world record course I, it just seems so dumb
0: I I mean I've ranted about this many times on this very show. I think the marathon world record rules stink. I know that there needs to be some, uh, you know, level of fairness within it, but it, at at the very least, the six majors should be world record courses. I mean, no question about it. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, it, it's important to have because what's stopping somebody from just like running a marathon down a mountain? So you need some standards on the point to point, the decrease in elevation, but I agree. Boston should should kind of should should fall in the, the you know the qualifying range. You know, that should definitely be you should you should create your standards around the world marathons, pretty much yeah, they, is what you're saying, Mike.
1: You can do the you can do the no points of points except for waivers and then just go all to the big marathons and give them all waivers as long as they're not like you said, you know, starting on top of Mount Washington and running straight down. Yeah. Seems simple enough. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm gonna write a letter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so before before we move on, Steve. Uh, There was one other piece of running news that I wanted to get into before our uh, interview. I saw an article. There was like a Santa Claus um, 5K. I think it was in Connecticut or something. It's irrelevant. But basically, um, this guy was coming down the home stretch about to win, and uh, Santa Claus jumped out (laughs) from the crowd and tried to win it with like, you know, 20 meters to go, and I mean, he still lost. The guy tried to cheat, and he still lost. Um, but, I mean, we've talked about it once before on this podcast. I, you know, when you try to get into, like, the like deep, deep cheating into the sport, that's one thing. But this kind of cheating is always funny, 100% always funny. And I support anybody who's going to, you know, try and jump into the last 100 meters of a race and try and steal a race that way. I think the last time we talked about this was when the the guy stole the tape at the finish of a marathon for the for the women's finisher, yeah that's I right mean, yeah. and and then <laughs> we had the the scandal where the uh I think it was Japanese guys or something were <laughs> jumping out of the bushes trying to like or like
1: they are like hiding <laughs> hiding hiding bikes in the, bush. bikes in the bushes <laughs> or something yeah, yeah, very yeah. funny every time i think I think we're not covering these enough i mean we we do a pretty good job i think of covering like the big uh running news stories out there like real stuff going on but we need more just clickbait conversation you know the ridiculous instagram videos that are out there like the santa claus guy
0: if somebody jumped in a race like in the last you know 40 you know 30 meters of a of a race that i was winning and they kind of tried to steal my tape i'd be pissed but if some guy in a santa costume jumped out and tried to steal the tape i would just start dying laughing It's it's even funnier that he still lost yeah, what, yeah, one guy had to go a full 5k, and this guy couldn't even make it 20 meters to, to beat him. And it wasn't like the you know
1: world record pace. I think the guy who won run in like 18:06 or something. So <laughs> what 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 kind of Santa? I didn't see the video. Is this like a full Santa Claus? You it, know, it was boots a full
2: and all. Santa
3: Claus,
1: yeah, the whole deal. But it was definitely like raggedy. Like didn't really fit the guy. It was
0: like way too big for him. So he it didn't look great on him, but it was still it almost made it funnier that way. Love it. <laughs> that should be like they should have a race um you know where that's like a gimmick you know in the last 50 meters of the race you got to outkick santa claus and so there's just there's just the santa claus waiting there in blocks and like in a full santa claus costume and as soon as the leader comes by you got to outkick the santa that would be that'd be a that's hilarious race yeah, yeah. gimmick yeah you could, you could what, recruit
1: like dozens of santa claus and have them all lined up and just like go over and they just run the last hundred <laughs> yeah, meters right. over and over they just said Irish, <laughs> Irish Clover 5-Miler. We should have a leprechaun set up. Whoa. Yeah, right.
0: yeah not a bad idea. Um, anyways, guys, let's get in our, into our interview with the head coach of the Brooks Beast track program, Danny Mackey.
2: Uh, there's a major difference between nature and society. I don't follow politics, the government just lied to me. A yeah, I'm surprised because people violently. That's why I move silently. It's hard So on today's
0: episode, we have the head coach technology. of the Brooks Beast Track Club, Danny Mackey. Danny, welcome to peek Too Early. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys. <laughs> well, hey, I want to start off this interview just kind of hearing about your path to professional coaching because just kind of reading a little bit about you know your history and your your kind of your career, you have a very unique path to professional coaching. So can you talk a little bit about that and you know how you got connected with a brand like Brooks?
3: Yeah, so um, i I'm probably odd in the fact that uh, I wanted well, initially, I wanted to be a medical doctor and then I wanted to teach um, physiology at a university level and coach and so there was a little bit of the science and service role and teacher role, like there from from like I was 17 when I was first starting college, and so um, yeah, it was something like always in my mind. Uh, I love I love sports and uh, running became my favorite became a favorite thing. And so and I had really tight knit teams in college and in high school, and so um, that camaraderie, the high performance, like things at stake. I just I love that aspect of it. And so, um, like, like a lot of people though, it's, it's a really tough world to crack into for, for some, for some of us. And so when I was in grad school, uh, I was in a really great program for exercise physiology and biomechanics. And, uh, I was doing, uh, teaching ball or coaching on the side and teaching. And so I applied to, um, 209 jobs in double uh, I I didn't get I didn't get a single offer, and uh, I went to. It was a long. I mean, that was heartbreaking because I I worked really hard and I graduated, you know, with high honors, and I thought those things would help. Um, it didn't. Um, so, <laughs> it did help me get into a job at Nike, and so I worked in there. Their R&D lab and their innovation kitchen, and I, so I got to keep using science and uh, merging with athletics. So that was really cool. And I think for a lot of people, uh, probably a lot of coaches, that job would be preferred uh, to have that job. And so I, I never felt settled though doing it. I mean, I got to work on patents. I got to work with the spikes for Olympics in London, and um, I, you know, Nike has some of the best athletes in the world in every sport, and I got to work like face to face with them. And so, uh, I just, yeah, I wanted to coach and, uh, I started, um, me and a employee there, Chris Cook, like we resurrected the barman, uh, athletic club, which is funny enough. Now that's the bar, that's Jerry Schumacher's team, you know? Yeah. And so that was there for a little bit, but there's so many stud athletes on campus at Nike. And when I moved there, I was training for the Olympic trials and stuff. And so we did that. And then I got to, I got to coach a few people, you know, on the side through, through that. And then. I started a nonprofit organization and I got this same thing just to have my hands a little bit. And so, um, you know, I had my normal day job working at Nike and then on the side I had a few people here and there. And, uh, eventually like that grew a little bit, but it was, you know, I didn't, wasn't my day job. And so there's just kind of some passion on the side and I applied to a couple more jobs and, uh, instead of a, like after about three years at Nike didn't get those either. Um, so, uh, so my, my tally went from 209 to, uh, 217 and then I got a job <laughs> wow. at Adidas and, uh, I did a very similar job at Adidas at Nike. Um, and then I, uh, started applying to more jobs cause I was like, man, I really want to coach. And I was like 29, 30 and yeah, couldn't get a job. And then I went to Puma more on the corporate side there. I worked as a product, a global product line manager for their running line. And then that was like, that was 2012. And so I had a couple athletes in the trials and it mostly, it was like, it was, uh, Katie. And then I had two athletes that, um, Steven Piper and, uh, Shadrach mm-hmm. And so they ran well. And I, uh, oddly enough, I had run for the Hansons, but in between grad school and working at Nike, uh and I had the shortest contract ever in Hanson's history. Kevin and Keith <laughs> will like totally validate that. They <laughs> funded me for it. It's my fault. Um I I I shouldn't say it was my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I actually like I was looking at everything and I'm like, I'm not uh I don't know how good I can be in running and I really want to coach. And my graduate program was really difficult. So I felt like I just wanted to do that more. Mm-hmm. And so I, I that's might be I I don't know if I'll regret it. I just wish we could live you know, a longer life Cause I would have liked to have run and then, you know, been able to also pursue coaching, but I didn't think I could do both. So yeah. that's why I left there. And then, uh, so I had a little bit of a contact with, with Brooks because of that. And so, uh, yeah, when I was at Puma, I remember being at the Olympic trials. The, again, this wasn't my, I was at this point, I think I'd made like $200 in the 11 years I was coaching at that point. <laughs> And, uh, I was at the trials and Jesse Williams, who at the time was the head of sports marketing uh, for Brooks, now he's the founder of Sound Running. Uh, um, He was like, hey, uh, I'm going to do this when trying to start a pro team, like you've had these jobs and you know how the corporate side works. You've coached, you know, like nobody knows who you are uh, though, but, you know, I think I want to give you a shot. And so, yeah, that was my first paid coaching job was like with the with the pro team. And so, um, and the team started January first of 2013, and so that's when I moved to Seattle.
1: Wow, wow. Yeah. So, so I want I want to I want to you know go back to some of the things you said in there. Um, But my first question is, is it is it Coach Mackey, Coach Danny, uh, Mister Mackey? How, how do you go
3: by, Coach? <laughs> uh, Danny. Yeah. Danny. All right. Well, you can we'll call me was, Dan- you. Some of, the, coach. some of the, some of the people call me coach. Uh, Nick Simmons started that. <laughs> so, uh, I laugh because he still calls me coach and I'm like, Nick, you're, you haven't raced in a couple of years. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. People call me Danny. I don't coach is fine. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I still call like my elementary basketball coach. I do, coach. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. Grand. I, yeah, it is. I, I call my, both my coaches coach. <laughs> so I just went to his retirement party and uh I was like hey coach Akers and he's like you've been co- you know you've been coaching for seven years I was like but there's there is like a respect to that Nick oh, definitely. Actually talks about oh, yeah. that a lot and so uh, I call my jiu-jitsu coach coach and I'm older than him <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so so coach you, yep. you applied to
1: 209 <laughs> positions maybe more uh, or there was more after um, yeah the were you applying to like big air snowboarding and why did you not give up? I mean only an insane person would keep trying to find coaching positions at that point.
3: Uh yeah, I, I mean it, the reality is if you're like a guy, if you're a dude, there's a million of us that want to coach. So, you know, it's just really hard to crack in and I didn't know anybody. So um yeah, it's just I think you know, it's it is funny because I see some of the coaches now that turned me down. And they laugh about it, you know, and because uh, I was annoying. I mean, when I say applied, it wasn't that I just applied online. Like I wrote two hundred nine cover letters, wow. followed up with two hundred. Like I was really diligent. about it. the worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then you know, they wouldn't. They don't call you back, and then you find out through the grapevine that they hired somebody, and it's like you have that that little bit of heartbreak. And so, um, I don't know. I think it it's. A good trait myself but it's also you know your strength is a weakness scenario like i am super stubborn um and so i definitely think there was points where it was just like stubbornness and pride i'm like no i'm gonna keep freaking applying to these damn jobs so somebody i don't care if they pay me like five dollars an hour like i want someone to pay me to do it um so that was there uh but i also like i just had some recruits in town and i told them and i'm like i'm in the service industry and so, hmm. you know, like I am a teacher and I, that's my job is to serve athletes. And so I I like that because I like people and I like community and that's really appealing to me. And I, I really like getting to know people. And so you get that with coaching that I didn't get in some corporate jobs. So there was like a, a little bit of an appeal, but you really like, again, you don't know that until you do it. Um, but I, I just had this like feeling just from my personal experience as an athlete that uh, I'm like, man, this is something that I really can get into. And I'm a very passionate person as well. And so I, uh, that was, I think those are the main drivers and, and I love science. I love equations. I love complex things. I'm very analytical. Um, and so you, I get a lot of that with coaching. I mean, my, my high school friends made fun of you because in high school I had like so many jobs, like every, I would, quit jobs in the middle of summer because i get bored and um you know even nike that job was a a dream job i mean you're working in like the most innovative sports company in the world and i was bored you know and so that's (laughs) not good i mean i'm like this is where you spend most of your time when you're at any job and i just uh, you know i didn't want to be bored i wanted to make sure my brain was constantly being challenged and humans will do that i mean i they're i love the athletes i work with They're a pain in my ass sometimes, but I I like (laughs) that about them. Um, And uh, I mean that in like the most endearing way possible. Um, Because I do like, I am like fans of them. I respect them. The really good athletes, but you know, especially the team the last, you know, last year and the team this year, they bring the best out in me. And so, uh, yeah, I I think it's hard. It would be hard for my personality, I think, to find that in another job. Mm -hmm. So I tried to stay with it. But again, when I'm like 26, I don't know if I really knew that, but. Uh, yeah, there's something there with being an athlete. So
1: yeah, so w-
0: something you just said there kind of sparked a question I wanted to to talk to you about. So we we had the pleasure of you know talking to a, a couple of your athletes a couple weeks ago, and they talked a lot about how you know tight knit the team was, but we could also see you know they obviously had quite a bit of personality, and I think uh, those are two amazing things for a team. I remember like my college team you know, I, th- I think having a tight knit team, having personality is a good thing, but to your point, I think it can cause quite a bit of challenges as a coach. So can you talk a little about what it's like coaching different personalities and, you know, kind of how you have to reel some of the guys back in at some points and, and how, you know, when to, to be, you know, coach Mackey versus just, you know, Danny.
3: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I listened to that pos- podcast. That was, that was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I've, I'm learning over the years, you know, like I, uh, so when I say that, I mean like, I, I don't coach the same way. This is starting year seven that I did in year one. And one of the things I've learned is actually from my, my boss is like, is just tailoring. Yeah. I, I said this when I took the job, I'm like, I want to coach to the athlete, not have the athlete bend to my program. But what that looks like is, is, was different than I initially thought. And some of it's just in like the daily communication of things. And some of it's with how rigid am I with some athletes versus another. And so, you know, like I how I coach Josh versus Brandon is different. Um, and some of that's different because I know I knew Brandon a little more because I worked with them longer. Some of it's different because of their age. Some of it's different because uh, their experience with with global meets was 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 more unique and tailored. So if you like listen to like the the briefing conversations before the world championships for both those guys there's different conversations. Now, some of it's similar because I, I'm like me, you know, I can't wear multiple hats. And I think if like the athletes were to say what my good qualities are, they'd probably all have the same couple, you know, cause I do, I mean, I'm similar to them. I talk to them as a group a lot. If they're like my shortfalls, they'd probably like the blind spots. I have those 13 athletes could probably name it really quickly. Like, Oh yeah, these are the things that like we wish Danny did a better job of. And so, you know, there's some definite similarities there, but uh it it's ongoing and my biggest growth i would say over the last you know 7 seasons is uh from the psychological standpoint and from like the individualization of the communication not necessarily the workouts but it's uh like how i'm delivering it to it how much like encouragement one person's need, person needs the other thing too is i'm getting better at recruiting um because people have different personalities and be difficult but if they depending on their security and how positive they are and how much they want to be on a team. That is a huge driver. I mean, I, like I've had some athletes that are tons of brain power for me to coach, but they're always trying to be in a solution mindset and they actually care about their teammates. And so that's, it's fun. It's a fun challenge. And so that's the type of people that I want to work with, not ones that are like, they just rather be by themselves. And we've been pretty lucky. We've had very few athletes that, um, have had that type of mindset, but we've had it and it's been, they've made the job, you know, terrible to be honest. But, you know, that's my job though. On the front end is like, okay, here's what I'd like the team to look like. Here's where we're going. And here, and now that the team's, you know, got a strong personality and met those two guys, like they're, when the recruits we have this weekend, they're part of the process too and they're really secure in the identity and the team. And so that helps with, uh, with making sure that, you know, it just keeps going. And if somebody is on a visit, they may be like, ah, I just want, you know, this is not what I want to be. You know, they just made me know that more because our our, our personality is stronger as a group. So,
0: Danny, you talked a lot about, I mean, you're, you're you're hosting recruits, you know, as, you know, right before you got on the phone with us. And uh, you talked a lot about how you have a pretty unique style of recruiting, you know, approaching it as if it's a service industry, um, which I think is great. Um, but you're in a really unique position where the Beast is a, it's a cool team. It's a very unique team, but you're competing against you know, giants. I mean, Brooks is significantly smaller than companies like Nike and Adidas. How are you competing with these guys uh, in, the, in the recruiting world?
3: Um, the, well, we have a point of differentiation. And I think that if you were to come visit here, I mean, you guys ran. I think if you came here and visited here, About how high level some of the things are that we do, and I don't I don't want to like um, show you how everything's made because there 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 are definite advantages that we of, that we have, and I mean I'm the only only coach out there that has you know the degrees in those areas, and so that's not like a pat on the back and all it's just like, but I bring that kind of mindset to everything that we're doing, and so some athletes will see that and they'll be like. Oh, I didn't expect that from, from like, cause you're not this, you're not a $40 billion company, you know, we're big, but all Brooks does is running. That's another thing too, is all Brooks does is running. And so, and all Brooks does in the track and field side of things is the beasts. So when you have like this kind of like person who, you know, from the age of 17, I've been wanting to learn the science and learn how to coach people better. And, you know, I put the time in. I didn't just get a job because, uh, you know, I ran fast in college or anything like that. Like I had to, I had to work for free for, you know, 11 years. And so that like, I'm really like hungry all the time. I'm like pretty humble about it. Cause I know it could be taken away at any second. I just feel that way a lot. And then the brand aligns with that because they are really small. I mean, if we sign, let's say we sign the recruits that came in today, that's it. That's all the entire global company of Brooks assigned on the track. Whereas Mm -hmm. the other brands you mentioned will sign 75, 80 people. They won't know the CEO. They'll never meet the CEO. They won't know the head of marketing. Maybe just when they send an email saying, thanks for signing with, you know, this company, Uh, the coach, you know, you might see him once or twice a week. Uh, That's just, I mean, we just had recruits and they sat down and met with the head. They had a two-hour dinner with the head of sports marketing. And that might be, he might be with one other athlete this entire year. And when you have that kind of attention to the individuals, like some people really, that really matters to them. And then you see how we do things from a medical side of things to a coaching and training side of things, injury prevention, all those things are like really thought about. And so I think some people don't care about it and they will run well. um, Or, you know, maybe they have other things that they value, but to me that values. And so athletes that come on visits, if they value that my job is to make sure that they can like see it. And then the team's just done well. I mean, for how small we are and how where well we started, we've had a lot of success. And so that, that's the biggest thing is like, they can come here and say, Oh, you had three people in the top 17 at worlds and you've had some good athlete. Like you, we signed someone like Josh Kerr, you know, this ringer and you got better here in one year. And so that helps. Cause my whole thing is like, Hey, people get better here. So if we sign you like the, you know, and you're at this certain level and you run better, um, then then we look we're going to be but it means something different when they start seeing it and so yeah like our reputation's like probably the biggest thing um I think that yeah. will, will help us and and like I think that fun part is that's how I want to be like I I like almost every pro coach out there um yeah you know, I've had a f- friend that just got a job with the group I'm a huge fan of her super you know I'm like I like seeing uh, like we don't have a zero sum. I don't have a zero sum game mentality with it So I think that kind of inclusiveness is helpful, too, because, um, you know, athletes will see that. They'll just kind of pick up that energy of the team. And, you know, I think there's enough room at the top for everybody. I love it when, you know, like Hoka, for example, like they're doing really well business size wise. I I like their team a lot. I was just talking to one of their coaches, um, you know, Tom, about helping with the meet in Boston on February 28th, like collaborating with them on it. Like that's how it should be in our sport. So, you know, that that's those things are like. You know, if it's a top, if if yeah, I'm in a service job, but I am like, like the leader in some ways of this team, and so if that's how I want to portray it, like that that can resonate with some athletes, I think. Yeah, and I and I
0: certainly wasn't trying to throw any shade on Brooks. We actually think that no, yeah, you know, yeah. what what you're doing is 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 really cool, and it's actually it's it's I think it's creating a model for you know what this sport should be, and um you know I think it's 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 pretty awesome. Yeah,
3: thanks. I mean, I. It's super grandiose, but like when I took the job uh, and when I recruit athletes, I tell them like I want we we should want to make the sport better, and we can't, you know, we don't have the biggest guns to do all that, but we might not need guns because our sport needs to be elevated more. Um, I was just listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and one of the things he did with the uh, West Coast comedy scene was just bringing people in, saying, hey, we need to help each other here. Yeah. We're not we're not we're not uh, NFL, you know, but I, I think we could be that big because it's the most participated sport in the country. Both genders are represented, and you have every type of body type out there. You have everyone from throwers to 10K runners. Yeah, and huge. like you, you don't need like a huge like uh, financial backing. So you have different socioeconomic backgrounds that can get into the sport, so it's really inclusive. Globally, it's super inclusive. And so in, you all those things kind of and it's like it's as raw as a fight, you know, it's like, that's competition. There's no luck involved. And you can't tell me if you go to a major track meet that it isn't amazing. I mean, it's awesome. No questions asked. So that stuff needs to be talked about and need to be helping each other. And there needs to be this community and camaraderie. And if it starts at least in our backyard here in Seattle, it'll trickle out, you know, for sure. Like I said, I would never have been talking to Tom Nohilly 10 years ago about, Hey man, let's get together. Your group's awesome. Let's put a meat out and let's try to make it run fast. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Like that's, I love that kind of stuff.
0: And if, and if Joe, Joe Rogan wants to bring us in and bring us up, we'd, you know, our podcast, that, that'd let's be do it. really awesome. Joke, so. <laughs> that would help a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah coach you are, studio. you are <laughs>
1: preaching to the choir like i feel like our whole mission on this pod is just to like to spread the good word about the sport of running and to cover it a little bit uniquely to get a little more excitement for it um doing a little you know research about you before you had an interesting idea just about the sponsorships and how there's a limit to how um, many sponsors can get involved can you just kind of explain that if you know what i'm talking about to, to the listeners and to myself about what you're talking about and how that can help the sport
3: um i think i know what you're talking about um was it where i was talking about the pie the size of the pie maybe yeah more? yeah no, okay it's so
1: it's a few you know a few players
3: yeah so it's limited right now so the the olympic you know the ioc and the u.s I, the usoc you know reports up to the ioc and this is the olympic you know committee and so they're right now it's limited to sponsors that can sell like apparel and so uh that takes out like if I'm just take, speaking of Seattle that takes out Starbucks that takes out Microsoft that takes out Boeing takes out Amazon and the the issue with that is then it's just apparel companies and so if you look at it from like um, if you just kind of reverse engineer that, let's say we go to Microsoft we could could say, hey, do you want Jersey space? We're a local team we got all these high-level athletes you know and you get a little uh, logo space on it, and it costs um, X amount of dollars. And Microsoft's like, "Yeah, let's do that." So they start putting money in, and the athletes get paid more. And then what'll happen is they're gonna put their marketing dollars into, spon- you know, like promoting this team that they're sponsoring. So you have this audience of all these people that that buy Microsoft products, that now are being uh, aware of this track group that is sponsored by them. And the same thing for Starbucks. You imagine walking into a Starbucks and seeing the beast roster, uh, like on one of their ads in there, I mean, how many Starbucks are there in the world? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but they don't want to, but then you say, Oh yeah, but you can't, your logo can't be in our Jersey ever. And they're like, why? <laughs> oh, our organizing committee says no. Well, why they would make more money because the sport would be more powerful. So the reason what's happened is like there's brands that like a few brands that want to make the pie very small and control hundred percent of it. Versus let the pie get bigger and maybe lose some of that 100% control and maybe it's 80%. But I actually think it would be like if I was the CEO of this company or these companies, I would fire that sports marketing head because I'd say, like, this is bad. If we're going to win anyways, if it goes from 100% to 90 but the 90% is a bigger share of people that are now interested in the sport and buying running shoes. And they look at running shoes as a cool thing to wear. Then we're going to be selling more product. But that's mm-hmm. not how the main – influencers, they think the opposite. They want, no, this is zero-sum game. If I win, you have to lose, and it just is not the right – it is not the the wisest way to look at it from, like, a business economic standpoint. You have wow. to work a little more to do it this way, but I think that overall um, – I mean, it, capitalism would, like, support that, and so we're in, like, a state of monopoly right now, you know, an antitrust situation, and so, yeah, and it hurts – you guys, um, it hurts the athletes because they're, they're super popular. I mean, you talk to Josh and Brandon, you know, you bring up cause they're the guy like, they're great to talk to when you want to sponsor Josh. Let's say your podcast was because track and field is, uh, you know, as big as uh, major league, major league baseball or, or NFL, like, and you're this massive company you have sponsors on your pot, your podcast. And then you're talking to Josh and they're like, Oh, you know what I really like, uh, Whatever, whatever company they do, they do like um, a CBD company or like, I don't know, (laughs) that's something you see all over on ads, you know, whatever it is. Like, I like Josh honors. He starts getting paid more. And then they start marketing Josh, their Olympic runner. And then all of a sudden, people who buy that product see them and they're like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to watch this guy race the UK championships there. Boom. You have more people tuning in, buying flow subscriptions, watching meets. NBC doesn't have to pay money to host the US championships. They actually make money on it. It's it's a no-brainer to me. It's so it's so infuriating. Um, but I'm just a coach, you know, like so I don't know anything beyond tempo runs. Again, <laughs> <So, laughs> really, I feel like, like fight every battle, you know.
0: I feel like I was listening to like a presidential campaign speech. Yeah, that was that was pretty uh inspiring. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: <laughs> well, um, I actually was a business major. Um okay. I was a business and, and uh biology major, so not that I have like a knowledge, a of it, but I do. <laughs> but I do think about it. I do think about it. Yeah. Um. I yeah. So. All right. So let, let's
0: get to. I mean, that was inspiring, like I said. But let's get to probably the most important question of the interview. So, in doing my research, I found a uh, a couple of pictures of you where, like, at any given point, you had you know five, maybe six, seven stopwatches around your neck. <laughs> um, <laughs> First of all, how many stopwatches do you think you own, and what do you think your record is for how many you've had around your neck at any given workout? Jeez, oh,
3: I own <laughs> I own twelve, and I know that because I bought somebody stole my um, somebody stole my coaching bag out of my truck uh, in the middle of last season, and so I had to buy like a twelve pack, um, and so I have twelve. <laughs> so uh, I've had I've had like seven every time and i still do it and i'm such an idiot because every time i do that i don't know what the hell's going on i don't know <laughs> like i'm like oh wait is this marta or is this drew i don't remember you know so it's i got to like i just you have color i got to learn yeah i yeah. got to do something
0: you have Put to have like, one stopwatch on per yeah label yeah. And have one stopwatch per runner yeah i know it's obnoxious <laughs> uh,
3: i want to feel important when i'm standing there i think i don't know
0: what this <laughs> So now Mike claims that that was the most important question in the interview. I'm going to have to argue. Okay. I'm, bu- I'm about to hit you with the most important question of the interview. So you mentioned a name earlier. You mentioned Jesse Williams. And actually, last podcast, we debated a tweet that he put out about what day the running week starts on. So he put out a tweet that said the running week starts on Sunday, and that's a fact. Now, no. It,
3: okay. All right. <laughs> so we debated this last podcast. Let's hear your take. So I actually... I I don't go on too much. I go on social media, but not with runners that much. Like I don't. I think I follow you guys, and because I'm just around it so much. Because both both my bosses now. So 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 Jesse does this thing down in L.A. Sound Running. Steve Decoker has replaced him. He ran in college, and then Matt Weiss ran at North Carolina. So he's our he's our boss. And so I'm like surround my two like, and then Jordan Ham. So the three sports marketing guys all all ran. So we can like, you know like exhaust each other with track stuff so (laughs) i did see that tweet which is rare because i don't see many running tweets or whatever and i like immediately texted jesse and i was like you don't know what the hell you're talking about man like i can't believe you like existed in life in your 40s now and you don't know what day of the week it starts and he go, and he just was debating there's no question so here's what i say like um i'm christian and what day do you go to church sunday it's the seventh day of the week it's day of rest what day does what day do you start going to work monday That's the start of the week. So, in the weekend is Saturday and Sunday. The weekend isn't Friday and Saturday. So, if all those things you look at it, you're like, Monday's the first day. I don't, it do not make any sense to me. It's literally Um,
0: called the weekend. Like it, it's specified right there. (laughs) I
3: question everything Jesse's doing. Um, I plug, I plug, so. I plug. Sound running, just totally disregard that plug. He doesn't know what day the week starts. So. You heard it here first. God says the running week starts. Exactly. I think it's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's no 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 question there. Um, so yeah, Monday. Like, okay, how many miles do you have this week? I did eight this morning, so I have eight miles this week. Sunday there you go. was last week. When's yep. the long run? Sunday, Sunday long run. Ends, yeah. ends
1: the week. You always end with the long run.
0: What
3: where, where, where do you guys stand on this?
1: Oh,
0: so me and Trent are big uh, Big week starts on Monday, guys. Steve is a newly converted no, uh, week starts on Sunday. You converted? I, I talked myself, in, during the course of, of last week's podcast, I talked myself into entertaining the idea of the week starting on Sunday because my, my thought process was, if if you're ending the week with the long run, you're tempted to front load and then take away miles from the long run. So if you start if you start your week with the long run, you have no choice but get in every single mile that you intended for that long run. Does that make sense? No. So it's like a it's
3: like a motivate. Yeah, I don't know.
0: No, I. I'm, I'm still so not do you sold see like
3: sl- it. I'm just saying so that that the- was my potential argument for it. Uh, gotcha. So then that argument would be like. Waiting to run. So if you're doubling, you get your bigger run in the morning because you know you got to get it in in the morning. So you kind of like use that with the start of the week being your long run. Yeah. You get your big ball welcome there. Yeah. Maybe. No, but I, mean,
0: I, I, I thought about it <laughs> quite a bit over this past week, and I'm I I've, I've settled on the running week starts on Monday. I was just trying to add a little diversity to the podcast last week. <laughs> yes, have right?
3: you Have you guys asked anybody that outside of Jesse, who doesn't count anymore, but like, does he? Is anybody behind? I didn't see how that. What kind of traction did that tweet? Was it like a? Did anybody agree with them? I it,
0: it was, it, there was a. There was a quite the. Uh, Got heated. Controversy online, but I. I. I think most of the arguments were for Monday and not for Sunday.
3: Okay. I didn't. Yeah. Maybe tally it up. I. That's. I didn't look <laughs> at it. I just saw it and I was like, I can't believe I'm friends with this guy. He's not what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, man.
0: So, so Danny, we, we end every, every interview with a little bit of a game. We call it down the home stretch. And so what we do is we pick a topic and then we kind of just ask you rapid fire questions. So Mike, do you want to kick off down the home stretch? Yeah, alright. So Tyron will start with my question. This is crazy, usually start with Trent, but I guess I'll we'll mix it up and I'll start. Well you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta tell him what the topic is. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh the the topic is like y- you are big into jujitsu and I know some of your athletes have done that, so we're gonna hit you with some ju jitsu slash oh, martial type arts. Oh martial arts, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you for all doing right. this for me, I appreciate it. So I guess <laughs> my first and most important one is uh what's your favorite like Kung Fu martial arts movie?
3: Blood Sport. Okay. Yeah, you have to watch it. It's awesome. jean Claude Van Damme. It. It's great. Oh, there's some classic seeds in there. Yeah.
1: What a review. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Could could you beat all of your current athletes in a jiu-jitsu battle right now?
3: So I wanna say yeah. I should be able to. But last year when we did our we did like an off site with my martial arts team and I got paired up with David Ribich. And I was like, gonna oh, be no problem." And then it was like a little tough. And then he's like, "Hey, I wrestled in high school." So, for all I know, one of them is like some done some secret stuff that I wasn't aware of. Um, but I, I hope so. I think they would say that I could. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they say behind my back. We'll be interested to this <laughs> podcast <laughs> because I know they've talked about it. The one time, one time, I, one time I, uh, I don't want to say the other the team. I overheard the guys talking about trying to get me to fight one of their like one of their <laughs> coaches and i was like guys what are you everybody was like it was like a positive conversation but i was like are you trying to like be a promoter for me on the side like to try to make some money so maybe they're confident in me so i don't know i've been we'll, awesome. i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah i know that's what i said <laughs> have you spent more time injured
3: as a jiu-jitsu athlete or as a runner oh runner hands down running's brutal i think i think like all runners would should try some martial arts because you'd be surprised how freaking strong your core is from from just running down the street. Um, yeah, running for sure. Yeah, I've had some pretty bad injuries. I have a scar in my eye. Um, I tore two muscles in my shoulder. I tore a bicep. Dislocated a thumb. But Ooh. my running stuff's been worse. Well. Oh.
0: So you just kind of mentioned how your running can help with your jujitsu, but how the hell does jujitsu help with running?
3: I don't think it does, but uh, <laughs> okay. that's why this year we did not do an off- <laughs> off-site of jiu-jitsu because I was like, Tokyo's too close. Doha was later. Even though it's just all fun, Like, I just do it because I really like um, and respect my coach over at Matt And so he was a philosophy teacher before, and so I, I just wanted them to like just be around different athletes. You know, They weren't actually like learning how to kill people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I think ment- mentally it helps. I mean, it's really engaging. You can't zone out when you're doing martial arts or jiu-jitsu. It's uh, – it's, and strength conditioning-wise, it's great. Like I, I like lifting weights and stuff like that, but like doing martial art, like jujitsu, especially, like it's really good whole body strength stuff. So I think like if I were to really get back seriously into running, I'd probably be more durable.
1: I should have done it then.
3: Yeah. Last question. It's not too late. I didn't, I didn't start until I was like 34.
0: So.
3: <laughs> All right. Last question.
0: We need a neutral, unbiased opinion. Who would yeah. win in a fight, Josh Kerr or Brandon Kidder? Oh, I know you are going to ask question. me this.
3: <laughs> They're going to both – see, I can't – I'm not going to do <laughs> what you guys expect me to do and say, oh, I don't know. It would be a tie. I, yes. I'm going to vote, and I'm going to cause drama at practice tomorrow, and one of the guys isn't going to talk to me. So, But I have a reason for it. I'm going to go with Kidder. Okay. Oh, all right. (laughs) Josh is going to be so mad. Uh, Partially, it's more fun if Josh is mad at me than Brandon. Um, But the reason why is – oh, man, that might be tough, though, because Josh – do you know Josh was like a really big dude and his brother's a pro rugby player? Yeah, we do. We do. And his dad (laughs) – Josh's dad can like – He's a he's a, like he used to play rugby at a semi-pro level, so he might have some genetics hidden in there. Kidder played football, and he's from Ohio, and Ohio is just known for having grapplers. Oh, yeah. So I'm not saying I'm not saying Brandon would be my choice for like a boxing match, but yes, jujitsu. So I'm gonna go yeah. with the Midwestern boy, you know, <laughs> farm-fed. Uh, I think he can out gra- grapple Josh. Oh, God, <laughs> just made the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he and Kitter watch Kitter watching Kidder do a power clean is is beautiful. So I think once he got his hands on Josh, it'd be it'd be tough. Maybe Josh is better at distance c- control if they could you know punch and kick. He's got a little bit of a little more on. reach.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So it'd be an interesting like MMA fight. That <laughs> one I don't know.
0: Uh, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. This is a ton of fun. Yeah, thank you
3: for having me. I really have good
2: time talking to you guys on the baby So I do it through these rap lines. Last time I was in the party was my last And in that interview with Coach Danny Mackey
0: was brought to you by the Irish Clover Road Race in Draket, Massachusetts on March eighth. Guys, come out. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have some beers. We're going to have some food. And the winner is going to get $250 presented by the Peak 2 Early Podcast. So come on out. Have a good time. Support the podcast on March 8th in Draket, Massachusetts at Owen and Ollie's Restaurant. We'll see you there. So, Mike, you got the chance to head up to the USATF Cross Country Nationals this past weekend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the experience up there? yeah so i uh, I took a little vacation to New York City with my wife, and I decided what better way to finish off the vacation than dragging her an additional hour and forty five minutes outside of the city further you away must from our love house. love that yeah, to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania of all places uh, in the pouring rain to go watch <laughs> the cross country uh, club championships and it was an awesome event. so it's not like a super widely attended. Um, event for like spectator wise I mean but it is the exact demographic of people that we are trying to target right here because you have you know all these guys and gals who just love running and especially love cross-country they love you know the the muddy cross-country course getting out there and traveling you know across the country because it changes every year to to run these races. It was a very cool crop. People saw a few people out there that I know. Um, So it was a cool event to get to. And I will say my first and probably biggest takeaway is if you want to get some motivation to, uh, you know, get your butt in gear and start running, go watch one of these masters divisions races, because these guys and gals are badasses. You have 40-plus division, 60-plus division. The 40-plus guy broke 33 in a 10K on a muddy, slow cross-country course. I mean, these guys are flying, and they look in ridiculous shape. So that was pretty cool. You get some, uh, you know, bigger teams out there in the past. I know that, like, Bowerman Track Club has been out there and some Galen Rupp ran it last year. You didn't have any gigantic names this year, but you had some of the 10 Man Elite guys out there. I think they won as a team championship and uh, on the woman's side, uh, I know I said I didn't want to talk about it a whole lot, but yeah. the girl there, <laughs> uh, Caitlin Tofi, who uh, has been taking the high school uh, cross-country by storm. She ran a USATF race, so I'll, we'll talk about her. Just throw it in there quickly. She finished second, so she's probably the real deal, and she's probably going to be a name that we're going to be you know, hearing going forward here. Um, so all in all, very cool event. I was out there. Um, the, the last piece I want to uh, leave it with is... Me and my, I again made my wife take a bag of like 200 magnets and we took peak two early magnets and we're sticking them to cars in the parking lot. And It was awkward because you have people, like, (laughs) cooling down, warming up for their race, and the parking lot is, like, always full of people, and, like, because it was raining, people were, like, pretty much living out of their cars and, like, getting warmed up out of their cars, so I'm over there, like, putting magnets on cars, like, looking super sketchy because I feel weird about it, and I don't think you're, like, really supposed to do that. We originally got the magnets for Ragnars, which is kind of accepted, but just in like a random parking lot, I don't know if you're really supposed to be doing that. So there was a couple of times in the market, maybe. Yeah, that's right. I would put a magnet on a car and come back that way and like see someone peel it off and like, look. And now I like have a big stack of like trying <laughs> to hide it so they don't know it's me. It was it was an interesting experience. But uh, I think we got a couple more listeners. So if you're if you're listening now because you you got a magnet and you wanted to check it out, uh, I'm sorry if I was being weird and creepy. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Um <laughs> yeah, just kind of watching it, you know i was I was a little disappointed I couldn't make it up there to kind of watch because I was i I had made plans to go up there, but they kind of fell through. But you know, just watching the coverage just kind of on on their Instagram, on our Instagram, seeing like all my friends there that were that were running having a good time, I kind of want to go next year. So if you guys are up to it, I will make a pact with you three guys right now that i we start training, and our goal is that the three of us will race at USATF Club Cross next year. What do you think? I'm in. I so, that's what I was thinking as soon as I was there. I was like, I'm I'm in on this.
1: What what is the deal with like qualifying and showing up and registering? Is can anybody just show?
0: I think you, you need, need to be part a, of a team. You have to be a USATF like member or affiliated team, I guess.
1: Are we an affiliated team yet? We we, <laughs> we will, can, be.
0: yeah. Or maybe maybe Tin Man wants to take us. Yeah, or, say, Bowerman, spot, baby. or Bowerman Track Club or Brooks Beast, whoever yeah. Oh, yeah. Brooks Peace. Yeah. yeah Danny, Danny, get on that. Let's go. Danny, what's up? Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get out there and, and we'll we'll uh we'll wear the
1: uh the the Brooks blue, baby. Let's do that. That sounds awesome. I'm I'm willing to sell our services to any team, really. I I don't really have much loyalty to anyone in particular. So anybody out there that wants us, we're in. <laughs> so guys, I I did a I did a thing this weekend.
0: I um so I. I was getting back in pretty good shape, you know, September, October was really good, but in November, I went on vacation, you know, I had a lot of work travel, I got sick at the end of November, and I completely fell off the rails, but I want to get back into it, you know, I want to start doing workouts again, so I decided to head down to the, to the University of, uh, I'm sorry, head down to Boston University. (laughs) to to participate in the BU mini meet this week. And it's kind of an all-comers meet, but they get a lot of decent athletes, a lot of the college students from all over, all over the greater Boston area kind of come there to, you know, just kind of get a couple early season meets under their belt. And I decided to do what I used to do in college at the BU mini meets, do a 3K mile double. So it's almost like it's almost kinda like a glorified five K tempo run. Because you run the three K is the first event and the miles a couple events after. So you get you get a five K's worth of uh action on the track at a high high pace. And guys, this was the first time I had stepped on a track to race in probably seven years and it was not pretty. <laughs> it was so bad. A three K, way longer than I remember. It was it was pretty brutal out there. And I- then I don't know what made you think that the the I don't know the, 50, the you know the double was a, a a great idea. We're not in college anymore, and also like not only is the 3K longer than you expect, those races are fast. Yeah, yeah, They're fast. You gotta you gotta get your legs moving quickly. It was brutal, and so the 3K beat me up pretty good, and so I jumped in the mile. Uh, let's see see if you guys can guess my mile time.
1: Before before that, before give us a little insight on, on your seed times. Uh, like, how, well, I you think I might give there. it away. Okay, all right. So
0: I seated myself. I seated myself pretty conservatively. I seated myself at a 9:45 in the 3K. Stop laughing, everybody that's listening. And then I seated myself just at like a a 4:45 mile, just because I thought, you know, those two combined, if I ran both of
1: those times, it'd be a great workout. I'm I'm gonna try and think about that that uh, Fifth Avenue mile we all ran, plus the fact that you race a 3K right before. Ah. Uh, 522. Oh. I'm I'm
0: I'm oh, a, Give me a little more credit, yeah, than yeah. I I think you ran like a 509. Man, okay, I ran a 507. Hey. All right. All right. It was bad. I was dead last in my heat. It was not pretty. The the legs were the legs were hurting, but you know please what? Tell I got me, it. Please tell me you took it out in first. No, I'm not that. But somewhere around somewhere around the lap Two and a half, I made a little bit of a move, and I kind of got on the hip of the leaders, and uh, that lasted probably maybe a second and a half, and I immediately dropped to the back of the pack. <laughs> What's that?
1: What's that like when you're coming around for that last two hundred, and you see, you know, the time uh, uh, on the clock, and you're like, at one point, I would have been done, you know, two and a half laps ago. Type of feeling. What's that like when you're finishing by yourself on the track? There, it,
0: it's a pretty it's a pretty like tough feeling because you're like absorbing the fact that you're not as fast as you used to be. And you probably aged a few years and that you'll never be back to that point that you were once at, you know, uh, uh, many years
1: ago. So it's it's actually a little depressing. (laughs) I think that's the biggest fear for me with getting on track, because if you run a road race, there's there's the weather, there's the course, there's the hills, you know, who knows if it's a 5k or not, you never really have to like, come and face where you're you're currently at for you know fitness wise but when you hop on you know the fastest track indoor track in america like that it's yeah. it's really just you're you're staring you know you're staring yourself in the face there. there's no getting away from it yeah and Trent to that point
0: on on the roads i feel like there's always a certain level of like plausible deniability that you can be like oh yeah i mean i just showed up there and you know was messing around with some friends like we were screwing around we you know, you can always make some kind of excuse. Nobody can really check you. If you show up to a track meet, especially if you're like doubling, it means you're there's some level of seriousness there. I don't think you can really cop out to the, you know, the yeah, I was just screwing around take there. Yeah, no, there's, there's no room to hide on the track. It's you're you're exposing yourself out there and you're just yeah. letting everybody know where you're at and what you've been you're doing. So, but brave you know soul. what? You know what? I'm going back this weekend and I'm going to go back the next weekend. Because you know why, Trent? Because I'm committed to this. I'm committed to getting back in shape. I'm gonna be at cross country nationals or club cross national uh I'm gonna be at Club Cross uh nationals next year. I'm gonna be in shape. You know, probably not the type of shape I was in college, but I'm gonna be in much better shape than I am right now. That's what it's give us give us give us the time to get a run next weekend. So I'm not gonna do the double. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run just the 3K next weekend, and I'll do just the mile the the following weekend. So All right, give us a goal mile time. A goal mile time by you know within the next two weeks. Oh boy, I'd I'd, I'd like to get I'd like to get like you know 438, 439. Ooh. If I can get under 440, I'd be pumped with that. You know you know the um what's that the definition of insanity thing there, (laughs) the uh, whatever, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I just, just going to flow that out there. (laughs) Well, I I don't like, we can't, we can't, we can't go off of last week's time or this, this past weekend's time because I ran a three K like I hadn't stepped on a track in probably seven years and I busted my ass on a three K. It hurt a lot more than I remember. And then I had to just, I had to run a mile shortly after that. So, um, you know, I, we can't use that last mile. Fair enough. <laughs> oh boys. Um, so we wanted to follow up on the challenge we put out to our listeners to, uh, give us a five-star uh, review on iTunes. And right now we're going to pick the best review out of all the reviews we got. And we're going to Make sure to hook them up with some merch. So I'm gonna, we're all gonna read one. We're all gonna read our, our favorite, and then we're gonna pick a winner. So the first one is titled "Insightful and Hilarious." These guys' desperate attempt to stay relevant in the running world is relatable yet sad. Kidding. In all serious, in all seriousness, these guys bring in great guests of world class caliber. Their ideas to improve the running world should be implemented. I would love for them to organize a beer mile for their listeners to racing. Keep it up, guys.
1: Great idea. Not
0: bad, not bad. Yeah. I like it. Maybe. We'll see. Who, who is that one from, Steve? Uh, his name is Bryce Will. So thanks, Bryce. That's Bryce. All right. This one is uh, – we posted this on our Instagram, but we got to give him a shout-out because it was awesome. Our guy, Chris Robertson, friend of the uh, program, he uh, gave a review called Peak Too Early is like Miller Lite. And it says uh, – these boys are just like their unofficial sponsor, Miller Lite. The first few episodes were kind of like the first few sips of Miller Lite. Just okay. I don't know if I uh, appreciate that rhetoric, Chris, but whatever. It's true. But but then they No, not the Miller Lite part. Yeah, that's what I mean. Part. Just the Miller Lite part. But then they continue to up their game each episode, and now it's like being on my 10th Miller Lite of the night. Tastes like nectar of the gods, and I'm fiending another. These guys are super courageous and don't fear rejection reaching out to Olympian and World Championship runners to get them on the podcast. The strategy is working. Top-notch guests and the guys themselves are hilarious and have great perspective on the sport of running. Boys, I would rep your P2E shirt so well you don't even know. Hell yeah. Chris, you're not in the competition. You're a friend of the program. You're a former guest, and that was a kick-ass review. We're just sending you one. We're not even voting on it. Chris is getting one. We're going to continue with the contest here, but Chris, you're getting one. That's awesome. Thanks, bud.
1: All right, guys. I got one from uh, Ferda1313. Fire, one, fire! Username, amazing by the way. username. This one gave me the willies, boys. This is this is this is <laughs> awesome. We should do this every week. But here we go. I listen to a lot of running podcasts, from the most scientific to the gossip of the running world. These podcasts are like summer training before cross country. Gets the job done, but it gets a little bland. This podcast takes the standard and turns it into something magical. Just like the beer mile takes a classic four laps. Add some milk and cookies, and it becomes something great. <laughs> the boys embody that work hard, play hard mentality that anyone can relate to, especially those of us from D2, D3 schools that embrace the Bender season almost as much as the regular season. Shout out, Bender season. If you if you use some good old-fashioned entertainment, grammar is not you know, the strong suit of some of these D2, D3 schools, but if you <laughs> use some good really old-fashioned entertainment or just any possible version of your love, give the best podcast in the world a listen. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Love Damn, it. Damn, what a review.
0: What
1: Love a review. It. I mean, that's Amazing. the winner right there.
0: Somebody send that guy
1: a t-shirt. That's Heard a 13, 13. Yeah, you, you had me at his username, honestly. <laughs> this is uh this is really stroking my ego, guys. My uh <laughs> my girlfriend's going to hate this segment when I just come <laughs> home acting like I rule the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and hey, those shirts are on the way. I know we've ordered we've awarded a couple already. Um, I had to go to a new printer to get the shirts because the original one I had had a little problem there. So they are coming, I promise. We're going to send these out, and we're going to reveal the P2E shirts pretty soon, by the end of the month, I promise. They're going to be awesome. Guys, this was another fun show. I I had a great time talking with you guys. I had a great time talking with with Danny. Um, But let's uh, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? Yeah, so... We talk about these conversions all the time, or at least I do. I'm big into conversions. Um, I'm working on the flu conversion right now. Um, I don't know what you guys would put the flu conversion at, but the way I feel out on my runs right now, I think you get at least a solid, like, uh, I don't know, one one mile equals like 1.2 miles, you know, ratio type thing going here, so... That's what I'm. That's what I'm working with. So it's going to be reflected in my Strava or Flow Track logs, wherever you want to find me. Um, check it out. I think I get a 30 second
1: mile conversion on the BU track. Yeah,
0: with the, yeah, with the absolutely. So,
1: um, Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? First, I want to analyze Mike's conversion. So, if it's <laughs> one to 1.2, that'll put Mike at about zero for the week. Still, <laughs> that's I'm, not true. That's not true. Well, I'm sorry to offend there. So. This wasn't gonna be my my uh, my bell app here, but uh, Steve, you brought it up with the with the BU meets. So last week we talked about that five minute mile, right, and that challenge that's going on. And we had a Mike and I had a you know an old old college roommate or, or uh, teammate give us a text and think about getting back on it. So as much as I just talked about the fear of getting on a track again, I think I may want to hop on that BU track at some point this winter, with the strict goal of just going under five. Get that official sub five time. I don't want to have to like race all out and have to you know face my mortality. But I'm sure when I'm there, we you know, get carried away. But uh, I'm gonna say it now to hold myself to it. At the, by the end of you know the season, I'm hopping on a BU track and run a mile. I'm Wait, got- I'll, I'll, I'll double down on
0: that. You only got a couple weeks left of the mini-meats. Then you get into the real meats, so you better do that long. You bet sooner <laughs> or later. All right, everybody, get your vitamin C in. Heal up. Get rid of this flu because we got a, we got a long winter running ahead of us. Guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie.
2: Josie's a vacation far away. Comes around and talking over.
0: Babe, I'll take care of that. No, but it says perishable,
2: so I just wanted to make sure, like, because it says perishable. Okay. That means, like, it has to be refrigerated. All right,
0: sh- you can't, I hear, I hear when you mess around stuff <laughs> in the kitchen, it, the microphone picks it up. All right, you
2: take care of it, though, because i yeah. got
0: to go to sleep, okay? I'll take care of it. We're, we're, we're all tired. We're, we're trying to finish this up.
2: All right. Hi, boys. Hi,
1: all Have
0: right. Good
2: night. I'm going good to
1: bed. Good night.
0: All right, You're fun. all very cute, but I'm going to bed. <laughs> Alright,
2: we got a little bit of time here. <laughs> Shh! Be quiet! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you guys ready? Yep. Yep. I'm Aaron! <laughs> <Keep> <laughs>
0: I literally can't start until you stop talking. And
2: you're with the changes. Okay. As soon as you are able, woman, I am with. On the table, I love the this-